0: Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Allen. A good day to you. I trust you're all doing well and blessed. I'm home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, as you as I have said every evening, and this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord. Uh, before I go into today's lesson, uh, I just want to share a story with you, a testimony with you, like I've done every day. And this is... Uh, uh, this is uh, rather unusual. It's different from the other testimonies I've shared with you. Uh, this this is from a crusade we did in Malawi many years ago. I believe it was in the town of Mangochi, which is by Lake Malawi. And I was doing this crusade in Mangochi, and we had, I mean, thousands of people coming to Jesus and many, many outstanding miracles. There were lame people walking, blind people receiving sight, deaf people receiving the hearing. It was just amazing. And then one day what happened was there was, a, there was a knock on my door. There were no hotels in that area. It's very, very primitive. Uh, so there were no hotels there, but uh, we were staying in a house that we had rented. And there was a knock at the door and I opened the door and there stood a man. And he introduced himself and he said, I'm Father Max Kambalazaza i'm a priest in the local catholic church and i have been coming to your crusade and i've seen the wonderful things that jesus has done and uh, i i want to receive jesus i i I realized that i don't really know him but i i want to know this same jesus who you know i want to receive him so i said you are welcome brother just come in so he came in and i i shared with him about the lord about salvation and i prayed with him to receive jesus and he gave his life to Jesus. And so then he said, he said, Pastor, I have one more request. I said, yes, what is it? He says, I want this baptism of the Holy Spirit that you talk about. Because I want to serve Jesus and I I need the Holy Spirit. I said, well, sure. So I I, I shared a few scriptures with him and I laid my hands on him and prayed for him. And the Holy Ghost came on him and he began to speak in tongues. And uh, that was good. Then he said, "He says, do you have any 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 help any literature to give me that'll help me you know i, I want to serve jesus i said sure so i had a few uh faith building books by brother kennedy hagan my spiritual father i said that well everything i know i learned from these books from this man kennedy hagan he's a man of god if you read these books i said just come to the crusade every night and watch me watch i what i do and then read these books And do what these books tell you to do. And then remember what I do and you do the same thing and God will use you. I mean, that was my simple way of telling him. So anyway, uh, then he, um, uh, you know, that was the last I saw him. Of course, he came to the crusade every night and and all that. But after the crusade, I didn't see him again. Several years passed, uh, I think six or seven years passed. And uh, I was in another town in Malawi and he came to see me. And there he told me a story. He said, brother, do you remember me? I said, no, I don't. Then he reminded me of who he was and I was overjoyed to see him. I asked him what he was doing. And he said that, well, you know, when I went back home, I did what you told me to do. I read those books by Kenneth Hagin, e. Hagen, and I began to preach what he preached and teach those things. And I had watched you, how you prayed for the sick, how you uh, ministered. And I began to do that. He says, I began to see people healed in my parish. and People began to come from far away. People were being healed. And I was preaching about the new birth. People were being saved. People were being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well... The bishops got angry at me and they moved me to another parish and the same thing happened there. He said every parish they moved me to, revival broke loose. People were saved, people were healed, people were baptized with the Holy Spirit and this went on. I got called in a few times They told me to stop it and I told them I don't, I won't because this is what the Bible teaches. Well, after a few years they finally excommunicated me. And they threw me out. So I said, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, no, this was the best thing they could have done to me, but I'm on my own now. And I'm preaching the gospel. And I said, praise the Lord. Anyway, a few years later, uh, a couple of years later, I don't remember how many, but uh, I met him again. And this time, uh, he... Uh, you know, I had seen, I heard stories about him and saw what the Lord had done in his life. And he now he had planted, I think, if I remember correctly, 300 congregations he had planted. Plus he had a congregation of uh, four thousand people, and I. When I say four thousand people, people normally exaggerate, but these are four thousand people who were actually there attending services on Sunday, and I preached in his church. He had built a huge building. He had four thousand people there attending services, and this was way outside the city of Blantyre. It was out outside the city. You really had to go there. So people came from far to attend services. He had four thousand people. He had three hundred churches, and God was using him in a. Mighty way, and when I came to his church, I preached for him. He honored me like he told everybody I was his spiritual father, how he came to Jesus at our crusades, and he really, really honored me. And those people were so poor, yet he took up an offering and he blessed me, and it is wonderful. And there are many other people like this all over the world who are serving Jesus. Uh, Many have churches, big churches, small churches, some are evangelists. They are all doing a great work for God. And I'm grateful because ultimately, you know, this is the fruit of ministry which shows up after a long period. We can have big meetings and that's great. But after years and years of ministry, if we are faithful and preaching and teaching the word of God and raising up people, we begin to see such fruit. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that there is fruit and there is fruit that remains. And those of you who pray for us and support us, be encouraged. Thank you for your sacrifices and keep on standing with us. God bless you. Now, I'm going to start uh, where I left off yesterday. I was talking about the ministry of Jesus, and today and tomorrow we'll be doing the same thing, talking about the ministry of the Lord Jesus, and there's a lot of things we can learn from this. Now, I want to start by sharing the scripture with you from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42 and this is what it says. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou willst, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. This is a beautiful story, and... Uh, you know uh i want to tell you a little bit how why this story is so important because it tells us something because the man here was a leper now if you read the old testament if a person had leprosy because leprosy was very uh con- considered very contagious uh those who were lepers couldn't stay in the camp couldn't stay with the other israelites they they were in fact moved out uh, because they were unclean and they were moved out to their own camp. They had their own place, which was a leper's colony because leprosy is a horrible disease. When I grew up, I remember seeing lepers. Uh, it, it, It attacks the central nervous system and the disease begins to eat up your flesh. The first thing you see in a leper is how his fingers begin to rot and disappear. Then the nose can disappear, the ears, all the extremities and the feet, you know, until the person dies. I remember I once saw a leper. I was so frightened. I had nightmares for weeks afterwards his entire f- flesh was his i mean every all the flesh of his face was eaten up he looked like a skeleton you could look right right inside him it is a horrible horrible disease and so what would happen was that those who were lepers were unclean and they were thrown out of the camp and anyone who touched them was also unclean would also be thrown out so uh, lepers used to wear a certain kind of clothing with a hood and wherever they went they rarely went anywhere but if they did they had to cry they said unclean 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 so people knew this was a leper coming and lepers were not allowed to come close to people and if they came too close people would throw stones at them stone them anyway so here's this leper uh, rejected by his family rejected by society living in a, leper, a leper's colony somewhere and he was dying and then he sees Jesus he sees Jesus and he comes running to Jesus and I can imagine some of his disciples picking up stones to defend themselves and to throw at this leper and and, and and Jesus saying, no, stop. But this leper comes to Jesus and he kneels before him and he says to him, if you will, you can make me clean. This, if you will, you can make me clean. This is interesting because this leper, uh, he had no doubt when it came to Jesus's ability. He knew that Jesus could clean him. He knew that he had heard of Jesus's reputation how Jesus was a healer and that there was no sickness or disease that could that could stand against him he knew that all Jesus had to do was to say one word and he would be healed so he what he was saying is that Jesus I have no question no doubt when it comes to your ability to heal me but I don't know if it is your will to heal me that's where his doubt was so he said Lord if it be thy will make me whole and so, and that is the place where many people are today. They have no doubts when it comes to uh, God's ability to heal them. But their problem is, does God want to heal me? And uh, that is a key question. And if you want to be healed, you must be rid of any doubt concerning God's will to heal you. Because anybody can believe in God's will, ability to heal people. I believe that when I was a Muslim. I mean, doesn't you don't have to be a man of faith to believe that God can heal. Of course, he's God. He can do anything. But God's will, God's will. And so he said, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. And look at what Jesus did. Jesus moved with compassion. Now, it's interesting because uh, people say faith, moves God. God is moved by faith. And that is 100% true. I preach it. I believe it. I believe that God is moved by man's faith because we see when the man was lowered in the house of Peter, the man was lowered through the roof. And it says when Jesus saw their faith, Jesus saw their faith, your faith has healed you. And that's powerful because God is moved by people's faith. But there is another thing that Jesus is moved by, and that is compassion. Jesus is moved by compassion. It's not only man's faith that moves God, but it's also the compassion in the heart of God that moves him. And this time he was not moved by anything this man had to put up. This man had no faith. In fact, he knew that Jesus could heal him, but he didn't know if he wanted to. He had zero faith. And so he pleaded with Jesus, but Jesus had compassion compassion is something that is in the heart of god so jesus was moved with compassion isn't that wonderful jesus was moved with compassion and then look what he does often when jesus healed the sick he just he just spoke his word he just said be healed or your faith has healed you whatever but this time he didn't he didn't speak he put forth his hand and touched him now That is significant because according to the law of Moses, anybody who had any physical contact with a a leper was also unclean himself. But Jesus, you've got to understand that the life and the virtue and the holiness that is in Jesus is greater than all the uncleanness and disease in this world. So when Jesus touches somebody, he is not affected by the uncleanness and the diseases that are in the world. But the world is changed by his hand because his hand has the life and the virtue of God. So Jesus, he, 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 he touches the untouchables. This world, Jesus touches those who are unclean. Jesus, who he, he touches, those who nobody else can touch. It says, He put forth His hand and He touched Him and said, I will be clean. And He says, I will. And that tells me God, it's His will to heal you, Jesus. In the New Testament, he never looked at a person and says, I won't. He never said that. He never said it is not God's will or it is the sovereignty of God or for some other reason, uh, which uh, I am not free to divulge to you. It is not my will to heal you, but I still love you. I want you to understand. He never said that because the Bible says every promise of God is every word, every promise of God is yes in Christ Jesus. And we said amen to the glory of God. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, I will. And he reached out his hand and touched him. And uh, immediately the man was made whole. Hallelujah. So uh, I want to share with you something about, I want to spark here, stop here and talk to you about compassion because Jesus was moved with compassion. What is this compassion? Okay, the first thing I want to tell you what compassion isn't. Compassion isn't uh, just being moved in your heart and feel sorry or pity for somebody. Because anybody can feel that way. I mean, you don't even have to be a Christian. You can be an atheist and feel compassion. In fact, if you don't feel, I mean, if you and feel sorry for people, if you don't feel sorry for people, something is wrong with you. But we all have the capacity to feel sorry for people or to feel pity for those who are suffering or those who are needy. You know, all these great humanitarian organizations of the world, like the Red Cross and Save the Children, they were all, all formed by people who were good people who felt sorry for humanity and they wanted to do something to alleviate the sufferings for other, of others. But what is compassion? Compassion is not just feeling sorry for somebody. Because to feel sorry for somebody is a force of the emotion. It's a force of the soul. Compassion is a force of the spirit. That's what it is. Because feeling sorry for somebody that cannot heal that person, cannot, cannot do a miracle, bring a miracle to that person. Uh, if you feel sorry for people, you can do physical things for them to help them according to what ability you have. But compassion is a spiritual force and it has the power within it to heal the sick, to set people free. It is it is the heart of God. Compassion is a force of the spirit. Now, why? how can we flow in the compassion of God? And that's what I want to share with you because it is a very important part of, of Pentecostal ministry. Um, you see, what happens is that first you have to understand that no man has the capacity to carry the burdens of the sufferings of, of the world. There was only one man. And because look, if you if you go out and uh, pour your life feeling sorry for people, it will soon destroy you because you just don't have that mental or that emotional capacity to carry the burdens of, of, of mankind. But there is only one man who could, and his name is Jesus, and they crucified him. He is the only one who has that ability, the capacity to carry the burdens of all mankind. So what happens is that when we join ourselves to the Lord in prayer, as Paul said to the Corinthians, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And when we draw close to Jesus in the place of prayer and surrender and devotion when we give our hearts our souls to him and we spend time in the word and in prayer and at the feet of Jesus when we spend time with Jesus what happens we become one with him and not just theologically that we are in Christ but really truly indeed We become one with him. And when we are one with him and we are walking in communion with him, if you know what I mean, we are walking in communion with him, what happens, there are those times when God takes a piece, a portion of that burden that he carries for lost and suffering humanity in his heart, and he can take that and put that piece, that burden into your heart and to my heart. And those are the times, there are times when we are praying and suddenly we feel this burden and we don't know where it's coming from. We can sometimes feel uh, feel lost or we can feel the pain, the suffering uh, uh, of another person. And we don't know what is happening to me. Why am I feeling this? Uh, and, but what it is, you're, you're carrying the burden. You know, God has taken a piece of that burden that he has in his heart for another person. puts it in your heart. Sometimes you can even feel the physical pains another person is going through and that is the time you enter into deep prayer and intercession and sometimes it is with weeping, with groanings and travail and you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and it's in the spirit mostly because you don't really understand with your mind what's going on when suddenly the burden is lifted off and and the answer comes and at that moment some of the person you are praying for is 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 healed or is set free or delivered from whatever burden it, it has so that that is compassion compassion isn't feeling sorry for people but it is walking with Jesus walking with God and God takes a piece of that he has in his heart for some for somebody else, and he puts it on you, and you become a co-laborer with Christ. Now, I, I hope that makes sense. Let me let me let me give you an an, an, an example. Uh, I knew this couple back in Sweden, and the wife came to me, and she, I mean, he he and his he, she had some physical disease. Uh, some terrible disease and because of which she if you don't mind my being frank she couldn't have intimacy with her husband because of her disease her physical condition it was terrible and there was no cure no way out and he Was uh, I mean, he used to come to church, pretend he was such a godly man, but he actually used to force himself on her, causing her a lot of distress, a lot of trauma. So she came to me. She said, Pastor, what should I do? This is how my husband treats me and he's terrible and he's very abusive. So I got very angry. I got really angry and I told her what I thought of him. I was much younger. I am a much milder, kinder guy now, of course, you know, but those days I was in my thirties, I was very hot headed I, I i could react, so anyway, two days later, he comes to see me with his wife. He was very angry, he had heard what I had said, and he came to see me. I was staying in somebody else's house, I was preaching there, and so she was sitting in the living room with the ladies and 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 he wanted to talk to me. I said, "Come here, let me talk to you let 's talk so he came and I took him to this room where we were sitting and I said, sit down here, he sat on the sofa and I began to talk to him and he was very angry. I said, I said, you know what, let me tell you something. I said, you're a rotten human being. I mean, your behavior with your wife has been despicable. So you are not in a position to be angry at me because I was upset at you. You have to repent and make things right with God. That is your problem. I said, you have a problem with God. You need to repent. You need to ask forgiveness for your sins. And that's all I'm going to say to you. I'm not going to say anything more to you because I don't feel sorry for you. I'm not sorry for anything I said. I just think you're a rotten human being. You're a hypocrite and you need to repent. And he just stared at me because he hadn't expected this. So anyway, uh, I just said, that's all I have to say to you. So I got up and left the room. And I remember... As I, had, as I turned my back and I was at the door, in fact, I'll never forget this. I had one foot, uh, you know, across the threshold in, in this room and my back foot was in this room. I, I was, still was at the door when suddenly something came upon me. I don't know what it was, but I turned around and looked at him and I began to weep. I just began to weep. And I thought, dear Lord, what is happening to me? And I wept and wept and wept and I, I, uh, And I I, I walked up to him and I sat on the coffee table. He was sitting on the sofa. I grabbed his head and put his head on my chest and I just wept, I wept. And I, I thought myself, I'm weeping like a father weeps for his child. I just wept, just held his head and to my chest and I just wept and wept and I, I just wept. I, I mean, I cried, I bawled. I was crying and this went on for a long time. And I remember crying out, I said, Father, I'm praying for this brother like a father would pray for his child. Father have mercy on him and I prayed and prayed and then, then suddenly this thing lifted from me and I actually felt like a fool. I said, what have, you been, what have I been doing? What was that? And I just, uh, I got up and left. Well, when I got up and left, what was happening? He began to weep. He went on his knees, began to weep, he repented. And his wife, who was sitting with the ladies in the living room drinking coffee, the power of God came over her and she was completely healed. Hallelujah. And this is I'm talking about like 34, 35 years ago and they're still married. They have a wonderful marriage. It's great. They're doing well. Their children, everything is good. Now, that is compassion. It wasn't something that I felt in my emotions, but I was I'd spend a lot of time with Jesus in prayer and uh, and then this thing came upon me. The compassion of God came upon me. And I was broken and I just Held this man and poured my heart out, and that divine compassion had power because it healed him. It healed his wife. It restored their lives, and then it was lifted off me. And that that is that is compassion. Well, that's my you know simple way of explaining it, and I hope you understand what I mean. And compassion is powerful because compassion uh, works miracles even when there is no faith present. Compassion does incredible things. And so uh, in in the lives of people, and it's a powerful, powerful force that can flow through us. But the key to compassion isn't by looking at people's needs or, or, you know, and feeling reaching out to them and pouring yourself to them. But the key to compassion is spending time at the feet of Jesus. I like to, uh, in my seat, when I'm my secret place is when i'm alone in a room i shut the door and i'm all by myself and i i just i just lay on the floor years ago uh, i was in a situation when uh, i was very worn out and god began to deal with me and suddenly i saw a vision i saw the feet of jesus and i remember i crawled up to the feet of jesus and i lay my my head on his feet as a pillow, and I said, "I said, Lord Jesus, this is the place where I want to be. You can take away ministry, everything. Just take everything from me. I just want to be at your feet because this is my place of rest and peace and life, and this is where I want to be. So, I this is the key to compassion is, and this is what I do." Uh, uh, I like to be on my face, on the floor, just seeking his face. And sometimes I will weep. I just want to be in his presence. And then I see his feet and I lay my head on his feet and I say, Jesus, this is where I want to be. I just want to be one spirit with you. And then I'll pray in the spirit and pray with my understanding. And those are the times that God deals with me and God works with me. And those things are very, very, very precious. There's no textbook that can teach you these things and no Bible college that can teach you these things. But compassion is important and we get that by seeking the face of the Lord and being one with him in the spirit. And I pray that each one of us has that hunger and thirst for that place where we can be one with Jesus and one with the Lord. That is a very, very essential part of of understanding the fullness of the gospel, of salvation, of restoration, of healing and deliverance. God bless you. Please remember to keep us in prayer and we are also praying for you. And Remember when you read on Facebook or you get emails about your friends who are sick, please keep them in prayer. And today I received some sad news. One of my heroes, Pastor Mike Santiago, Assemblies of God missionary, had served in Africa, Latin America, Europe for more than 50 years. He's an older gentleman. He always came to our crusades in Africa, would we'll be sitting on the platform, jumping up and down, shouting hallelujah uh You know, and so he uh, he wrote that today this morning his wife went home to be with the Lord, so I'm praying for him and praying for comfort for him and his family. His son David Santiago, is also an assemblies of God missionary uh, in um, in Spain, and Pastor Mike is in Spain ministering to Muslims, and uh, their grandson uh, he is also Uh, a pastor in North Carolina. So this is a wonderful family with a beautiful Pentecostal heritage, several generations serving the Lord. And so please pray for Pastor uh, Mike Santiago and I'm praying for him. And, you know, all around us in the world, there's so much of pain, there's so much of suffering. Let us pray for our brothers and sisters that they may be strengthened. God bless you but let me pray for you father I pray for my brothers and sisters I pray for life and strength for them and uh, blessings upon their families thank you Lord Jesus you said that no evil shall befall us neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling I thank you Jesus that we are safe from some sickness from disease from infirmity from all the works of the devil and I now speak blessings and life and health and healing upon my brothers and sisters upon their families upon their homes Thank you, Father, for your protection, for your provisions, for their blessings in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for all my pastor friends who, who are preaching the gospel and being faithful to their congregations in whatever way they can in this season. I pray that they be blessed and their needs be met. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you.